Welcome to Seth Rudesky's Back to School. This week I have the brilliantly talented Anna Gasteyer from Saturday Night Live and Wicked. And I don't know if we talk about this during the podcast, but we met because I was a comedy writer on the Rosie O'Donnell show, which is that 30 Rock, and she was doing Saturday Night Live at the time. And we could see the feed from rehearsals for Saturday Night Live. And she'd be rehearsing, you know, her Celine Dion impression. And I was like, that woman is an amazing singer. And we became friends. We met actually at the NBC gym and we've been friends ever since. Anyway, this has nothing to do with high school, but I just thought you'd appreciate this. Ann and I have this relationship of just hilarious, at least in my mind, misunderstandings that are also sort of devastating, but also hilarious. So I'm going to give you just two examples of our classic misunderstandings. So I love the game celebrity. You know, everyone writes down the name of a celebrity, you put it into a hat, and then you have to make your team guess who the celebrity is. And then you put everything back in, and then the second round, you only have one word to describe the celebrity. And the third round, you do charades. Uh, anyway, I love celebrity. So I don't like big birthday parties. I'd much rather have a game night birthday party. So I really wanted to have a celebrity game night because I love that game so much. So I called Anna and I said, you know, my birthday's coming up. I'm having a celebrity birthday party. Would you come? And she was just sort of weird about it. She was like, yeah, okay. And I was like, huh? I just thought it was so, why is she being standoffish? It's like my birthday party. Anyway, she shows up. I start explaining the rules of celebrity. And she was like, oh. Okay, she literally thought, she didn't know I was having a game night. She thought I was having a celebrity birthday party. Like I'm having a birthday party and only inviting celebrities? Because I guess I thought TMZ was going to show up and I get some good like page six publicity. So that's why when I was like, I'm having a celebrity birthday party, would you come? She was like, I guess. She's like, I kind of thought I was your friend, not just your celebrity pal. Anyway, so that was the first one of our stupid misunderstandings. Another one, classic. I'm on the phone with her and I said, you know, she has a great voice and I'm, um, she was talking about her act is coming up and kind of happy through the conversation. She said, you know, she's like, I have to do this big cabaret act. Goes, and, you know, unfortunately, she's like, oh, she's like, my dad died. So I'm like, oh, my God. She was so kind of a little blasé about it that I was like, did I forget that her dad had been sick for a long time? But still, I was like, oh, my God. She's like, I know. She goes, and, you know, ugh. she's like, I, I just can't really, like, memorize lyrics when I'm, you know, when I'm upset about something. And I was like, upset about something? And I was like, why are you still talking about your cabaret act when your father just died? It was just so weird. I was like, right, it is hard to do a cabaret act when your dad just died. So I was sort of like, you're weird. Anyway, keep talking, keep talking. And finally, she says something else about getting another one. Okay, she didn't say my dad died. She said my cat died. So I'm like, oh my God. And Anna said, she was like, oh my God, of course, Seth understands because I am an animal lover. So she thought my reaction, which probably, probably would have been the same if she said her cat died, but still she was like, Seth gets it. But then, you know, the fact that she's like, you know, I have my act tomorrow. I got to memorize the lyrics. <laughs> it was so weird that I was like, right? I'm sure you're distracted. Any to the who. Um, we've had actual other misunderstandings, but I'll save them for the next podcast. All right, get ready for Seth Rudesky's Back to School. Dreading morning classes. Stealing bathroom passes. Football. Drivers and SATs. Bullies that attack me. Why do I have back knees? Jockstraps. Training bras. Frenemies. We remember back then. It's like freshman year again. Ready, steady, now you're in it. Pencil stop this any minute. Seth Rudesky's Back to School with... Anna Gasteyer. Hey everyone, it's Seth Rudetsky. Today I'm here with a hilarious actress, Beltris, comedian, Miss Anna Gasteyer. Hi, Anna. Hi, friend. What's up, girl? We're just going to sit and chat about us being friends. No, we're going to focus on high school. Anna, tell everybody where and when you went to high school. Well, in Washington, D.C., I went to high school. 
and in the same era as you, which is to say solidly in the 80s. Well, let me ask you, I feel like I went to public school. Didn't you go to a fancy schmancy school? I went to a public elementary school because I grew up in a quote unquote transitional neighborhood. Read terrifying and then not terrifying. My parents are like public school hippie advocates who then realized that there were like 450 people in my class. And so we were kind of airlifted out after fourth grade and then immediately fish out of watered up town. So it was like a weird combination of public and private education in my life. So I did end up going to a fancy schmance in DC where like ultimately like the Obama girls and Chelsea Clinton and those kind of people went there, but obviously not while I was there. So so my question is, where were you economically within this school? Were you like, I'm one of the poor kids that's lucky to be here? Or did you feel, oh, Yes. I was a poor rich kid. No other way to put it. I actually thought we were poor because I was surrounded by rich people in high school. And then I got to college and realized we were rich. It was very confusing. You know, we took private lessons for music and we went to these private schools for high school, but we were not like, we didn't go like to ski vacations and we didn't have like a country place. We had like a hippie commune that my parents co-built like in the 70s with like 10 other couples that was riddled with snakes and had no phones. But that was in like the Blue Ridge Mountains. Like we would go and like camp out there, but it wasn't like having like a country estate. No, I totally get it. So so what would you do for like, give me a typical, like what would you do on summers in high school? Would you have to work? So summers in high school, one year I went to Interlochen, as you know. Arts Academy, amazing place. Arts Academy, because I was this violinist and singer, and I think my parents were like, well, this is amazing, and she should do this, like, which they definitely were super encouraging of. So I did go to Interlochen one year, and then the next year we couldn't afford it. <laughs> so that's when I went to the Gettysburg Chamber Music. It wasn't even really a camp. It was like a two-week workshop. What would you call it? Well, I love how you describe it. It's for chamber musicians and it's, a nightmare. In, and it's at Gettysburg. The living hell. No, but describe, so you're you're all string instrumentalists. You're living in cabins in Gettysburg? No, not in cabins, in like dorms at Gettysburg College. And then, you know, really aggressively playing a Brandenburg eight hours a day. You know, sectionals and individual, different pairings. I hated it so violently that I've blocked a lot out of it. I mean, it definitely was like the death knell on me as a violinist. I was like, this is not... These aren't my people. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Was there no comedy at all? Like nobody, no, no comedy around you? I was like the resident ham, as you can imagine. And I did a lot of bits and I was a uh, lip syncer. And I, I would sync Funky Town to like anyone who would w- watch. That was my thing. What did you do in your spare time at Gettysburg Chamber Music Camp? Literally, your free day, you got to take some cool tours of Civil War historical sites. And the word cool is in quotes? Mm-hmm. Very, very hot. A lot of noceums and gnats. I just remember insect swarms because, you know, all of the East Coast in the summer, especially in the 80s, it was just a more humid time. You're such a great analyzer of people. Were you constantly in the back of your classroom deconstructing your teachers to your friends? Yes. I mean, my close girlfriends and I, that's all we did pretty much was analyze everybody. Constantly imitated. I mean, everyone who taught me was exactly like my character from NPR, that sketch. Like I was, it was a very earthy, crunchy, earnest, you know, the Quakers aren't big on, you know, yuck, yuck fests. They don't love a pratfall. But that said, most of the people in my grade were very funny. It was a very, like a lot of my friends from high school are funny people. They're not goofy, but they're like, they're witty. They're very observant and wry. 
my friend Amy was like my main partner in crime and she was just hilarious. More just like great observations of like cool guys trying to be cool and then just looking like total jackasses. Like she was just very good at like cutting someone exactly to the core. I remember we were dating these guys and we had a rehearsal for graduation and seniors did senior projects. So we hadn't actually been in class for like three weeks or something. We were all sitting outside waiting and they were late. And the boyfriends rolled up. There was like four boyfriends together with a a bunch of my girlfriends. And they rolled up with like these big, stupid tractor hats that were like way up on top of their heads. You know, when people wear a baseball hat and then like prop it up. And they were, they, they thought they were such hot shit rolling in. And it was so evident immediately that we, we were all going to be breaking up with them for trying to be (laughs) such cool hot shots. That's all it took. It was infuriating. It's hard to explain, but it was, there was such an arrogance about the confidence. Amy and I got written up in a report card in a way that totally backfired where this English teacher was like, Anna and Amy are quite a Laurel and Hardy combo, you know, that kind of thing. And we're like, oh, Laurel and Hardy, like just like no idea what the reference was. Then our parents saying like, well, they're comedians. We're like, oh, great. You know, like just taking it completely like that. Thanks. Like <laughs> it's a compliment. <laughs> yeah. Not understanding that it was like disruptive to the class. And, but we did. We just sat in the back and made jokes. Tell me, like, did you ever get in trouble with your parents? It seems like you're very obedient. My parents would sort of torture you by not punishing you. They were just like, it was all very tacit. It was understood that you were going to get good grades. It was understood that you were going to be on time. It was understood that you were going to go to college. Like there were not a lot of debates. Wasn't there some story about a basement in your house that wasn't finished and a boyfriend? Am I projecting something onto you? We had a very terrifying unfinished basement. We had an unfinished basement that had like open stairs. Like I was like out of a CSI episode as I like to say, a crossover episode of CSI and Hoarders. I was seven when we moved to that house. And I think we moved in and it was, the basement was like full of the other people's shit. Like there's stuff, just weird old stuff that my parents, for some reason, it wasn't broom clean as is now the way. It's a name drop expression from a apartment lease. <laughs> Wait, I'm obsessed with the broom clean. <laughs> yes, go on. That is so funny. Anyway, for years we had, two nuclear war preventative deep freezers down in the basement. My mom hated grocery shopping. So she would put stuff in the deep freezer. So we would freeze our milk, which is so just horrible. So we we had to go down to the freezer to get milk all the time, like to get the big half gallon of frozen milk. And then wait for it to defrost for like four hours. Yep. We also had like dry milk phases. Did you ever go through that? The worst. Oh my God, my father, why go shopping when I can gift you a spoonful of dried vomit and put water in it? I know. And it was also just like when they would be saving money, I think. It was like a money thing. It was disgusting. Yeah. So we had this terrifying basement, just terrifying for a kid. You know, open stairs and like murky. And I think the other people's stuff with like boxes of other people's stuff. And then these two scary, scary, scary deep freezers with the godforsaken frozen milk. Anyway. I had a best friend when I started my fancy school and they were like a suburban dream family. They had like air conditioning and like brand name food, you know, just (laughs) refrigerated milk. You know, I get it. (laughs) Just normal, normal brand name, non-Safeway brand milk. 
you know, everything was real quiet, sliding doors, you know, in their home and it just central air. It just was a very different vibe. And my house was like crazy, like a lot of flea market finds that she would spruce up. My mom colored in the spots in our Oriental rugs on the floor to like bring them back to life. You know, it was a lot of like eclectic boho. My mom's an artist too. So it was, it was funky. Like by high school, my friends were like, wow, your house is so funky and cool. But it was definitely like, be careful which chair you sit in. You know what I'm saying? Because it could go, if you're heavy set, you could blow your back out. In fact, many people did over Thanksgiving's blow a back out on these chairs. Because there would be like a splintering and a cacophonous explosion. Nancy's down. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, no like sets. Like I remember, in fact, now I'm going off on a tangent, but I remember like watching like the prices right. And when there were to be like a bedroom set, I was like, what is that? Like, we didn't have that. You know what I mean? I had like a, like a old tiny iron, wrought iron bed that my mom spray painted and like, you know, put it together and then the boards would slip and the mattress would go flying through the frame, you know, like when you're lying in bed. So anyway, so this kid came over, we were really good friends. So he came over and they were digging the subway in Washington. And I had been to his like beautiful, they were Republicans. That was the other thing. My mother was like very judgmental, disdainful and fearful, like did not want to be judged, you know, was like sort of in awe of the Republicans and also afraid of them. And also judge them all at once. And they were digging up the subway one street over. And so they were laying down rat poison in all of the dugout areas. So what would happen is all the rats would come into our basements and basically die. So we went down to the basement to get the fucking Uh. frozen milk. And there was this massive dead rat. I remember it was like, it was like a, it was like a New York city sewer rat, you know, like a big ass rock solid rigor mortis, just terrifying. He of course thought it was super cool. My mother was horrified that the Republican child had come over to our hippie ass house. And there was a dead rat in the basement. And she was so concerned about what his mother would think and like, wouldn't stop talking about it for weeks. Anyway, years pass, his family moves to California. I lose touch with him. And then I'm on Saturday Night Live, like a gazillion years later. And I got a lot of random letters when I first started working on that show because people see you on TV and they freak out and they write you letters from random people like, oh, do you remember we used to have work at the same temp place or whatever? And I got a letter from him and he said, I have such fond memories of you when we were in middle school. I remember you saying tomorrow in salute to Broadway. And I thought, oh my God, she's going to be a star one day. And I always knew you were going to be a famous actress. I can't believe that this happened. I have such a vivid memory of going to your house. And I hope you're not embarrassed that I bring this up, but I thought it was so funky and artsy and wild and so different than my house. And then ready. And he goes, and I'll never forget how your mother served spaghetti with her bare hands. That is very hippie-ish. So my mother reached with, because my mother's like such a like little Greeky artisty, like she's like oven mitts for hands. So she, I'm sure just reached into like a pot of boiling water and pulled out the spaghetti and put it on the plates. Meanwhile, <laughs> all she was worried about was this fucking rat. I'm like, how about just use some servers? How about just use some old school pasta tongs? <laughs> Her like grubby ethnic hands, like here, here's your pasta. <laughs> oh, I love that she like oh, she has no more pain in her hands. So she's able to no, dig she it has into- no nerve endings left. <laughs> boiling, boiling water. 
I would love for you, because it's such a perfect high school story, to talk about the role that gave you the triumphant senior year in West Side Story. So in my high school, to get a lead, you had to be a senior. So you had to pay your dues as, you know, the pick a little, talk a little, you know, or a double boiler, like those, you know, all the way through, all those little waiting for the Wells Fargo wagon ladies, Mm -hmm. all the way up. And then by senior year, you might get like a role, but you couldn't get that as a sophomore, junior, and you could only be in the musical if you were in chorus, which was obviously not a problem for me because I was always in chorus. But I'd been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And, you know, played a factory worker in pajama game. Yeah, know that track. Can't waste time. Yes. Can't yes. waste time. Mm-hmm. Can't <laughs> waste time. All offbeats. Yeah. So I did all that. And then, oh, bells are ringing, which I think I, I told you one time, we literally doesn't even make sense on the high school level. We only call it bells are farting. But again, it doesn't even rhyme. Like, why would you call it? Oh. It was such a stupid musical that we called it Bells Are Farting. It's a gerund. You just take a gerund and replace it. Bells are fucking. <laughs> bells are farting. Whatever. Yeah. So we called it Bells Are Farting. And then my musical rolled around and I was clearly like an aspiring soprano. And they were, you know, they they like eyeballed it and, and finessed it. And they picked West Side Story, which of course was like my dream. Like so romantic and beautiful and live and lovely. And it was very clear that Hillary Dayton was going to play Anita. And it was very clear that I was going to be playing Maria. I mean, we were going to go through the motions of the audition process, but we were, everybody knew what was going to happen. And what was most important was that Sam Carter was going to play Tony because he was a tenor and he could really sing. So the sign up went up and the calling was in the callbacks went up and it was so clear. It was like the Maria callbacks, the Anita callbacks. So everybody went, saw the callback sheet, knew it was coming up the next day, came in the morning, like ready to, I mean, we didn't have cell phones back then, but like ready to screen grab and, and hashtag, oh my God, I can't believe it. I got Maria. And, <laughs> and overnight, in the dead of night, Sam Carter had dropped chorus and notified the director. And the musical overnight went from West Side Story to Fiddler on the Roof. So I replaced my own portrayal of Maria with my own devastating casting as Golda in Fiddler on the Roof. 16-year-old virgin, 50-year-old shrew. Mm-hmm. Pear-shaped shrew. <laughs> Pear-shaped shrew. Do I want? <laughs> That's her solo. Do I what? So angry. No makeup. I've never recovered. No makeup. Babushka, home costume. I mean, also, somebody one time, and they were so right. They're like, every high school does with her on the roof because it's so easy to costume. Because all you have to do is send a note home that says, please bring a couple of scarves and a skirt and a button down. <laughs> and an overcoat. Everybody's dressed. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so devastating. It was so devastating. It's time for This or That. In this segment, I make my guests choose between two pop culture sensations from their high school years. In terms of Wham! songs, were you Careless Whisper or Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go? Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. Oh my God, why Wake Me Up is so, why? Dances. Dances are, are, are just, are fraught with horrible songs. So if you're going to get up and dance, you got to get up and dance. 
I know, but if you're going to sit at home and pine over somebody, it's careless whisper, no? Yeah, but if you're at a dance, you do not want slow songs because that means that you are on the wall. <gasps> oh, because no boys are interested in us? Yeah, you don't want the whole thing. You want to like navigate who you're going to dance with. Like You want to dance in a big group with lots of people. Okay, in terms of random UK pop songs, will you relax, don't do it, or come on Eileen with the violin solo? I hate Come On Eileen so much. I love it. I hate that song. I hate it. It's so stupid. It makes me so angry. I hate it. I love, wait, what did you say? Wait, uh, Relax, come, don't do it. Relax, don't, yeah, yeah, that was much more my thing. In fact, I think I had a Frankie Says Relax t-shirt, oh. oversized. <laughs> yes, that was such a big deal. Oh my God. That you would wear with a legging. With 100%. A legging. Okay, in terms of snooze fest movies that everyone was enjoying, but I was like, I'm too young and I'm interested. Were you a Gandhi, Chariots of Fire, or Out of Africa? I hated them all. Okay, go. <laughs> I liked Chariot of Fire. Uh, I liked Chariot. There was a sort of a central, attractive man. The other two were like yeah. deadly. I mean, dead. like why bother with anesthesia? A hundred percent. Okay. Um, Shelly Long, and, I, and just, you know, I'm not talking about the person nowadays, Shelly Long or Kirstie Alley? Kirstie Alley. I like sort of her availability, loudness. Yeah, I like the idea of being that kind of present. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, no, totally. She was out there. Yeah. Okay, in terms of amazing 80s singers, were you Stevie Wonder, Kenny Rogers, Lana Ritchie? Stevie, all the way. In fact, the very first album I bought with my own money was Songs in the Key of Life, which is Ugh, an incredible album. The and the best. second one was Earth, Wind, and Fire, Volume 2. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yes. That's also the only time I ever got... Remember you used to dial into the radio to ask for them to play songs? Yes. That's the only time I ever got on the radio was requesting September. You know, Stevie is actually like impossible to sing. I've tried many times because it falls right on like the weird female break. Yeah, Passaggio. Yeah, yeah. It's remarkable how easy it sounds for him mm -hmm. and how hard it is for other people. This is High School versus Now, where we find out how much my guest has changed since high school. Okay, so now we're gonna see how much you've changed since high school. I'm gonna give you various questions. You're in high school. Two friends from Chamber Music Camp come to Vivaldi practice and they talk about how much they loved seeing Romancing the Stone, AKA they went to see it without you. How would you react? I would tell them it hurt my feelings. In high school, you were that in touch no, with your feelings? In high school, I would go home and eat brownies. That's what I'm saying. Okay, high school home, eat brownies, yeah. excellent. But right now, now you're an adult, group text with SNL people, Rachel Jackson, and Amy Poehler are like, oh my God, it was amazing going to BAM last week to see Uta Lemper and her German band. And you're like, wait, BAM is right near my house. Why would you not text me and invite me? What would you say to that? Now? Yes, you'd be able to express your feelings now as opposed to now brownie Now I would, stuffing. yeah, now I would. You don't accept your feelings anymore? No, I don't. I would probably say, oh, I feel left out. In fact, I have done that. I have literally called Rachel and said, I, I feel kind of left out. Oh, okay, well, bravo. Yeah, and she'll say like, oh no, I knew you would. And also, I, I don't think people leave people out as much because that's the other thing I do not, I'm, I mean, I, I can't say every time, but I'm really, I try to teach my kids too. I'm like, first day of rehearsal. I mean, it happens all the time where the people are like, hey, do you want to get a drink? And then someone might say it like sort of more sotto voce. And I always very deliberately invite everybody because uh. I, I hate that aspect of high school. And we don't really have to keep recreating that. 
Super healthy, by the way. I always say to my kids, if one person feels left out, it's not a good party. Wow, brava. Meaning like if there's a birthday party and there's like a fence person, and like really, I mean, unless we're somebody who's like really mean to them or something, generally speaking, I'm like, I don't feel like the party is going to be fun if you feel like you left out someone that you don't want to have find out. It seems easier to fold them into 20 people than to have a stomach ache if they find out. I leave it up to them. I approve. Good parenting. You're in high school. You're about to enter as Golda. And you overhear Spritza and Frumacera talking about what a scene hog you are. <laughs> They're jealous. They're jealous. That's what you were thinking in high school? <laughs> nah, God, in high school, um, I probably literally would just ignore it in high school. Now I would probably think mm, that's such a bummer. They're playing for Macera. Oh, meaning they're they're dying for Golda. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Okay, fine. Um, well, actually, well, that's sort of my question. As I say, you're backstage at Wicked. You hear Glinda and Bach say that you changed the blocking in the Gilligan <laughs> Gilligan so Forest scene. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> They want to go to the... It's not the Gilligan, it's the Gilligan. Sorry, the Gilligan forest scene. And they want to go to the stage manager and say something. Would you just be like, say it's my face, or would you go to the stage manager? I would go to the stage manager. I'm not going to have an offstage altercation. First of all, I've got, if this is real life, I'm too busy shoving entertainer's secret down my throat and guzzling water before I have to sing. And second of all, I would never change the blocking. And I would absolutely judge those who have done that to me, <clears throat> Cindy Lauper. And I would uh, immediately go to stage management. <laughs> By the way, you said both first and last name of your co-star. Okay. <laughs> I would never change. Show's locked. Um, okay, final. If you could say anything to someone from your high school, whether one person or maybe a group of people or a teacher, is there anything you would like to say to them now? Ooh. You know, it's funny. I've done a fair amount of that. Like I've reached out to my two acting teachers in particular, one more than the other. And I actually, that reminds me that I owe a, a phone call to one just to uh, gratitude and thank you and support. And like, I was really pretty mean to one boyfriend and I, I made amends. Like I apologize. We're friends now. I guess you don't need my show. No, sorry. And I would probably t actually go back. This is going to sound so, this is so narcissistic, but I probably would go back to myself and say, you don't have to worry so much. That's literally my next question. I was going to say, if you could say something to your 15 year old Anna Gasteyer, what would you say to her? You don't have to be so anxious. It's okay. Like you're going to fit in one day. You can find your own path. You don't have to be everybody else's. You don't have to be every something for everybody. You know, literally like a version of it gets better. Like it just, it, it, it is everyone's path feels in high school. And I, you know, I have a, I have an 18 year old, so I'm very fresh on watching this repeat itself. It's just the nature of a developmental beast. Everyone's path. Even if you're like the jockey history major, good looking guy, like everyone's path feels a little bit lame, a little bit unapproved of a little bit outsider, a little bit anxious, or a lot anxious in my case. I mean, I was so anxious. And I would also say, you don't have to be so skinny. We spent a lot of time in the 80s really, really, really screwing with our ideas of bodies. And I know that's like got deep on you fast, but like I spent so much time worrying about my weight in the 80s and I want all of it back. I wish I could spend as a girl so much of that time, like not looking at, you know, Seventeen magazine and like cutting out pictures of Phoebe Cates and thinking, okay, if I just have four apples today, then I'll, you know, 
I, uh, I could maybe look like that. It just, it just, where did it, it there's no point. <laughs> it, it makes me crazy that we spent, we had some really bad body shit. I feel like back then. Yeah. I remember feeling so guilty about eating an orange in college. I was like, why did I do that? Oh my God. An orange? I think so. Cause I was like, it has sugar in it. Oh my God. I, I know. It just, it's just, yeah, I can't. And it's like so many brain cells where you're like, why did I spend all, I could have been like, I, I could have read, you know, James Joyce. I still remember these two cookies they were serving at Overland. It was like hot cookie day. And I was like, no. And I, I'm still devastated. I didn't take them. It was 1985. And I'm like, why did you not have those cookies? Eat the fucking cookies. Anna, I had the best time. Thank you for being here. I'm applauding you into my microphone. Bravo, Anna Gastar. Thanks for having me. It was really nice. As always, my friend. Seth Rudetsky's Back to School is produced by Sarah Esikoff. Our theme music was written by me, Seth Rudetsky, and sung by me and Maggie McDowell. Our band was me on piano, Mark Schmid on bass, Carrie Meads on drums, and Jim Hirschman on guitar. This episode was mixed by Sarah Esikoff. Our associate producer for this episode was Rod Braxton. 